Well, hello and welcome to episode number 60 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. So on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about international project video meetings and for that matter, any project video meetings. As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the Ulfire website, so please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, of course, sign up for our regular newsletter, which comes out once a fortnight. Find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you with your business. So video conferences and video meetings have been, we've been trying to do them probably for about 15 years now. Um, Initially the technology was extremely expensive and very, very hard to manage, difficult to um, set up and for many, many businesses just simply too expensive to deploy into into a project environment. In fact, for a period of time, for most video conferences, a lot of businesses used to uh, used to go to um, to commercially available rented suites where they would rent a video suite for uh, for a for an hour or for two hours or whatever for their meeting, and their colleagues elsewhere in the in the country or in the world would go to another suite owned by the same organisation and they would sit in a room that they provided, and they would have their video conference in that way. Then eventually the cost of this high-end technology started to come down. Companies began to invest and buy their own equipment to go into their own meeting rooms. And uh, and in parallel with that, the, the home network and the home users started to see various free offerings starting to appear. Now this started out with products like CUCME, which came out of um, Cornell University in the U.S., this was a little piece of software you would install on your computer. You'd have a, a very, very rudimentary video camera plugged onto your computer as well. And then over a dial-up network, you would have a really, really grainly, grainy and um, hard-to-follow video chat, typically with a family member somewhere else in the world who had a similar installation and was also on dial-up. As time's gone by, of course, that domestic use has has increased incredibly you've now got products like skype and um, facetime and so forth which which are so good and so easy to use and free Um, and for many people that's where they do most of their video conference work and they do most of their video meetings so rather than rather than business driving home use it's actually gone the other way around the home use side of things has driven video and driven business um, to the point now where you can often get a better quality and more flexible video um, meeting in your home environment, in your home office, than you would find in many business offices. So as time has gone by then within within organisations, 
companies, once they realised they could actually afford these systems and that they would bring value to them, they would go out and they would invest in typically one per office or one per large office, which again left a lot of projects struggling. The one per office also, because of the cost and because it needed to be installed into a into a reasonably well-configured and well well appointed room would often get appoint- installed into boardrooms in various offices. Now your boardrooms typically are there for the board to use. They're there for senior management meetings, and consequently those rooms can be very difficult for normal, let's say, just human beings, the normal project personnel to uh, to book and to use and to get access to, and they may be able to get access to the room in one area, one location and not in another. So you find that for for a lot of projects and for a lot of businesses, one of the biggest challenges is while they have the technology, actually getting access to it at a time that works for everybody, given that it's not just in a room which wants then to be used by everybody for video meetings, it's often also in a room that gets used for non-video meetings. So you'll have management meetings and board meetings and so forth that will also occur in these same well-appointed meeting rooms, leaving the people who really want to use these video suites out in the cold or out in the corridor, trying to find a way where they can have their meetings. So the, the, that, that initial role of deployment, of bringing them in in a, in a uh, single installation per office, while extremely well-intentioned, was very good often for the business, but not very good for the project itself. And it meant that a lot of projects simply just didn't get the opportunity to start to use video conferencing at all. So the alternate then for a lot of projects and for a lot of uh, businesses was to start to put um, video cameras or to use the video cameras in camera laptops. So you would either go and buy a video camera from a, as, a, as, a, as a third-party add-on People like Logitech and so forth make some extremely good little video cameras for those services. Um, Plug that into your desktop computer, put the camera on top of the monitor, um, usually find a little earpiece or something, and then you would have your Skype-type conversations. So that was one alternate that a lot of people started to look at. Then, of course, they started to run into things like firewalls, um, into bandwidth issues, And also they would find that a lot of businesses simply didn't want third-party untested, um, particularly free third-party untested software being deployed onto their network. So you would find that while, again, people would quite happily have Skype on their home laptops and their home computers, when they went into the office, their office IT people were telling them that they couldn't have that same platform simply because it wasn't an approved piece of software and it was going to tie up their bandwidth. Now, thankfully, some of those problems have gone away. Skype now, of course, is owned by Microsoft and is relatively well available through the Microsoft suite of products. Um, Bandwidth is becoming less and less and less of an issue for most businesses. For most businesses these days, they don't have bandwidth issues with their network, so they they can support video. And the software that actually generates and transmits and receives and displays that video is becoming more compact so that it will send the video in a better way so you so you have better quality or taking up less bandwidth where more bandwidth is available 
So it all worked out quite well. Now you still have a lot of projects where simply getting access to that is a problem, but it is improving. Now, of course, you need the right environments and so forth, and we'll talk about that in a little while. So how to get the most from your video meetings and how to get the most from your technology? Well, the first thing would be if you are going down the route of having video, um, large room video meetings would be to find rooms, multiple rooms generally these days where you can install and configure the equipment. You need the rooms to be set up in such a way that everybody that's attending the meeting can be seen on camera at a relatively natural angle and reasonably clearly. So what you need there, often you'll have a room where, well, let's see, some of the bad installations that I've seen, you can have a camera which is mounted high up in one corner of a room. So instead of actually having a meeting, you're just watching. You have a, you have this perception of watching everyone else having a meeting. You can have a meeting room where the camera is, is deployed in the middle of the long wall of a room, which means then that everybody in the meeting has to sit along the opposite long wall. And you finish up with a very panoramic view of the attendees of the meeting, which means then that because of the aspect ratio of many of these cameras, most of the people are surrounded by a lot of um, white space above and below. So you get you get to see people who are just not large enough on the screen when you're viewing it from the other end to be to be seen clearly. So you need to really consider the optics of the room that you're going to put it into. Some of the best shaped rooms are longer sort of rectangular rooms where the camera is mounted at, at face height for seated people on the narrow wall um, and usually then it will be mounted there with either one monitor above it or a monitor either side of it. Now the one monitor above gives you a more natural way when you're looking at the screen to see what's going on but a monitor either side means you can have one monitor used for the meeting and you can have one monitor used for any video sharing that you may need. So it depends on the, the nature of the business and the nature of and, and how much money you've got to spend as well, of course. Um, but that is a more natural way to, to set things up. Now, when you first start the meeting as well, I would highly recommend that you that you zoom in to the point where you're not seeing a lot of border space around the people who are attending. So you want to, to zoom in. Ideally, if there's only one person in one room, you want to zoom in so it's a head and shoulders or a head and shoulders down to the desk framing on that person and not a lot of background if it's multiple people then include all of the people but only the people don't include a lot of background space if you can avoid it this just means that people are more visible they f they look more natural and you're not seeing people sort of as tiny little dots you also need to make sure that everybody that's in the meeting is in the frame now, you'll often find in some of these meetings, someone will have their back to the camera or someone will just be simply out of frame. Now, those both options are bad. Someone sitting with their back to you in a meeting just wouldn't happen. It feels unnatural and it feels discourteous. Similarly, someone sitting out of shot would be the equivalent of having a meeting and someone sitting sitting outside of the door where the meeting is happening but still being part of it so they can hear what's happening but they can't be seen. So you need to make sure that everybody that's in the meeting is in the frame. 
So those are a few tips in terms of how to set these things up. Um, similarly, if you're having a video installation on a laptop or on a desktop machine, a decent quality camera, and as I say, you can pick up a good quality camera, a USB camera for $50 or something along those lines, along with a good quality headset and microphone. Now, the camera means that you can see the person at the other end clearly. The microphone means that they can be heard clearly and the headset means that when you have a conversation it's only the two of you talking it's not the two of you plus everybody that sits within earshot of both ends keeping in mind that without earpieces it's going to be broadcast over the over the speakers on the computer um, often those speakers are really poor quality so you can barely hear what's being said but worse than that if those speakers are of a reasonable quality, everybody gets to hear, and you just don't need that. You don't need to be sitting trying to do your work while your colleague next to you is having a video chat and hearing every single word that goes on. Now, it's better still if you can provide people with quiet rooms, little sort of individual rooms they can go to to have their one-on-one -on -one video meetings, but often this just isn't the case. It's just not possible in a lot of businesses and in a lot of project environments. There just isn't the space available for that. But it's something to consider if, if possible to set those sorts of things up. So a few other tips that we would make that, uh, that are worth considering. Um, firstly, be considerate of time zones and the calendar of all participants. So just because you have a gap in your calendar at 11 o'clock in the morning doesn't mean that all of your colleagues, wherever they may be around the country and around the world, are happy to join in at a meeting at that time for you. 11 in the morning for you might well mean 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning for someone somewhere else in the world. So you really need to find a time, and in the article we refer to this as you need to find a time which is as in as as provides prove, causes as little inconvenience as possible for all concerned so you want to find the average the average good time or average less bad time for everybody um, and uh, sometimes that will mean that somebody will have to be on the call at a really unpleasant time but generally if you really work at it you can find ways around that and that might mean that you have to have two meetings you might need to have one to the east of your location and one to the west, for instance, and then encourage the people who are halfway around on the east and the west to have a separate third meeting, if necessary, to, to continue these things. But find something which causes, which causes the least inconvenience as possible for everybody. The second one is to make allowance for language differences. Now, you'll find that once you start getting into multiple countries, you're going to bring in people who have different abilities in the language that you need to speak on your project. So sometimes you may need to find an interpreter to join in on the meetings. And even if you don't, you need to allow a little bit of extra time and to sometimes sit and explain things carefully to people so that they fully understand things. And this is really no different to a voice-only um, conference call. But because of the video, you can actually sense a little better often when someone doesn't quite understand things. So it's 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 worth considering that. Also, you can, if you have the facilities, you can type in questions as well, or you can send questions or an agenda in advance so that the people at the other end can be prepared and they can have a little bit more time to get ready for the meeting. 
So the third thing would be to be conscious of cultural differences. And once again, this this applies as much in video as it does in audio and as it does in pretty well any other form of meeting. But you need to be very conscious of cultural differences when you're having video conferences. Some cultures will have different beliefs and perspectives around eye contact, for instance. Some will avoid eye contact and some will will require eye contact. Um, similarly, and, and things like that just don't apply on a telephone where you don't actually see the other person. Um, there are some cultures where the norm is for a lot of people to come into a meeting and for some of those people, just if they're if they're not required, they'll cross their arms on the desk, they'll put their head on the desk, and they'll have a sleep or rest their rest their heads while the meeting is happening. And then a colleague will make them aware when it's their turn to be a participant. Don't feel if that's not your culture. Don't feel insulted by people doing that. It's just the way that they are. And there are all sorts of other things. Um, some gender differences may need to be carefully considered in different environments. Um, forms of dress may need to be changed. Um, seniority may need to be respected in different ways in different in different cultures and so forth. So this is, but this is very very much again the same guidelines as you would have for for a face to face cultural meet, cross cultural meeting as well. Then the fourth one is to use visual aids as much as you need, but not but no more. So don't just in, arrange for a video conference and then spend the whole of the time with everybody looking at a spreadsheet when you really could do that with only audio because if you can't see the other people and if you're not planning on seeing the other people, there's no point in being on a video conference. Um, but equally, there are times when you really need to share spreadsheets, when you need to spread share uh, PowerPoint slides or you need to share drawings and reports and so forth. So use these tools when appropriate. Don't overuse them, but don't underuse them. Now, and recognize beyond everything that video technology is an enormous enabler, but it is still no complete substitute and replacement for face-to-face interaction. Face-to-face is still, for most people, the best and the gold standard for any kinds of meetings, but video conference can come a very good second. Um, We would normally recommend that video is used after a face-to-face meeting at the start of a project and then going forwards. Face-to-face meetings give you so many opportunities to build relationships and really establish trust that is harder to do through any form of electronic-mediated communications. So face-to-face is still the best way to start, but video conferencing is very, very much the second uh, the second alternate, and particularly once you actually have met and spent some time with the other people. So hopefully this episode has been helpful and uh, you've got something useful from it. Um, if you have and if you're interested in hearing more, then please do check us out. We're at www.ulfire.com.au And of course, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed. There is a page on the business website where there are links to all the different ways to subscribe to the feeds. Similarly, all of our podcasts that are on that have an accompanying article, the article page has a link as well that you can that you can follow to to subscribe. Of course, again, there is our regular newsletter and the articles that come out and so forth. And if there is something we can do to help you with your business, then please do get in touch. 
there are contact pages on the website and uh, and we're not hard to track down let's put it that way um, and uh, on that I very much look forward to speaking to you in future episodes uh, thank you thank you